Uh, I'm George Ogilvy, President and CEO of Arizona Sonora Copper Company. Uh, we have a former producing mine in Arizona known as the Cactus Project. Uh, we're currently in the technical phase of the project. Uh, the project is substantially permitted, has access to water, and uh, benefits from existing infrastructure because it's a brownfield site. And um, on our current timelines, we would anticipate uh, financing the project in late 2024. And with an 18 to 24 month construction period, we believe we can see first copper cathode production before the end of 2026. George, thank you very much for the introduction. That's quite a, a punchy timeline you've just laid out there. Um, let's just take a step back and kind of have a look at where you've got to uh, as of now. We haven't spoken for a while. Um, um, you've just put out some um, a new mineral resource estimate. Um, can you just kind of give me a, a little bit of an update on kind of what you've been doing this year in parallel with that mineral resource up, um, estimate update? Well, the mineral resource estimate has been the, the main focus of our attention as far as drilling is concerned for, for this year. In April of this year, we announced that the infill to indicated drilling had been fully completed. All the assays were out into the market by uh, approximately June. And that's allowed us now to put together this new resource, which actually we announced uh, early this week. Uh, and obviously, we very happy with the results. We've seen the global resource grow from six and a half billion pounds of copper to 7.4 billion pounds of copper. But uh, importantly, within that number, we're now sitting at around about 5.2 billion pounds of copper, which essentially is leachable, meaning that it can go on to a traditional heat leach pad, pregnant leach solution gets produced. And ultimately, that makes its way to a solvent extraction electro-winning plant, and uh, we can produce copper cathode. So that is going to feed into our pre-feasibility study, which is uh, currently on track for delivery early in uh, 2024. In that resource estimate process, a lot of uh, new ground has been kind of um, added or new resources in the sense that you've been drilling out the Park Salia deposit and working that up from inferred to uh, a lot of it now in the indicated category. And you've got taken some of your cactus to um, measured as well. Um, what what happens now on your resource? Are you Have you effectively said we've got enough to make a commercial decision and we're going to work what we've got um, up through the stages from pre-feasibility, and I, I see you've got a timeline for end 2024 of your, for your feasibility study. So have you effectively drawn the boundaries down and said, this is what we're going to work on? Um, yes and no. Uh, I'd certainly say that we have enough uh, for the pre-feasibility study, um, certainly enough for uh, the bankable feasibility study. There will have to be more infill drilling completed um, sure. to move material up into the measured category. Um, you know, we'd like to see certainly the first five, if not 10 years of the production plan in the measured resource category <clears throat> so that when those tons, you know, hopefully move over into the mine plan and are economically viable within the bankable feasibility study, it actually reports as proven mineable reserves which you know, is important from a project financing perspective 
particularly when we look at the debt component of the project financing. But as far as the overall pounds of metal are concerned and the ground today, we certainly have more than enough for you know the production plan that we're targeting and probably a mine life 25 years, if, if not in excess of that. And then in conjunction with that, I do believe there's an opportunity for further exploration, drilling, and expansion of the resource. Um, obviously, there's a small inferred resource south of Park Salier at the moment that sits on the northern portion of a property called Mainspring. And earlier this year, we acquired the option uh, on the Mainspring property, which has therefore allowed us to project some of our holes over onto that property using, you know, variograms and geostatistics. And that's why there's some inferred resource that has come in there in this latest mineral resource update. But there has to be a drilling campaign undertaken there in the next six to 12 months. We know historically that a Sarco drilled there and did hit mineralization. Uh, and we have access to those, um, the core and obviously the, uh, the pulps uh, from that uh, historical drilling. So our intention is to add to the resource probably through the expansion at um, the southern portion of Park Salia, which is the mainspring property. And then I think next year as part of our budget, there will be some monies dedicated to exploration uh, between the Cactus West and the um, Park Salia, which we call the Gap Zone. And also there's a mineralization northeast of Cactus East, which we call the Northeast Extension. And we drilled a hole there earlier this year. The best hole a Sarko drilled there was 47 feet of continuous mineralization at 3.5% copper. We tried to replicate that but couldn't find that. But we did go through 997 feet of continuous mineralization, but the grade was only 0.46% uh, copper. So what it's telling us, though, however, is that copper porphyry system does exist another kilometre northeast of, uh, of Cactus East, uh, which is going to be an underground mine as part of the pre-feasibility study. So I, I think this is all good because, as you know, um, when a project goes through the technical phases, it's, it's, it's really important de-risking and it costs a bit of money to, to do all of the engineering and the geotech and the various um, bits of test work, you know, infill drilling, more metallurgical test work, you know, the whole, the whole, that whole range of boring but important work. Um, and the market can sometimes kind of give it a bit of a shrug and say, well, can wake me up when you're ready for the financing or wake me up when you're ready for the, for the feasibility study. Um, and so that element of exploration is important to show continued growth. Yeah, exactly. Keep a little bit of excitement in the story with uh, an expansion of the resource and potentially a, a new discovery. Good. So you probably have one, I should imagine you just have one rig kind of um, um, watching its pennies because you'll you'll always be tight on money until you're, um, and, until you're not. Um, um, so I should imagine that they'll be kind of coming to you for a budget for a single rig to... Um, work our program through the course of 2024? Yes, we're working on our 2024 budgets as we speak. They typically go to the board for approval in early December. Um, but at site today, we currently have three uh, physical rigs on site. Uh, and I suspect one of those will be doing the mundane infill drilling next year to the measured category. 
I suspect one of those drills will be on the mainspring property, uh, drilling that out, trying to bring it into a compliant resource, uh, probably by the summer of next year when we put out a resource update ahead of the bankable feasibility study. And then as you've rightly indicated, the third drill probably goes on more sort of pure uh, expiration drilling. Uh, am I correct in thinking? I've, I'm just I'm just trying to get things pictured in my head. Park Sal is an underground um, um, target, isn't it? And so, will you be drilling that from surface? And um, yes, uh, correct. What, yes. What, what yes. are the depths there? Yeah, there's already been 26 holes drilled at uh, Park Salier. Um, about a month ago, we released the first assay results from the first 13 holes. And this is infill to measured drilling. So we're taking the centers down to 125 feet, which is about 37 meters in drill, drill density. Um, and there's still 13 holes, as I said, with assays pending that'll go out sometime between now and the, uh, and the end of the year. And there's a little bit of infill drilling that occurred earlier in the year in the measured category at Cactus East as well. Um, how come you guys are all uh, working on imperial systems? Surely that that's a, a mind jam. Well, we, we, we work with both, but we generally report an imperial because we're in the US. Uh, the US uh, uses, uh, you know, feet and inches imperial and uh, hasn't converted over to the metric. So given the asset is in the US, we generally report an imperial. Well, good luck to you. I, I would try <laughs> It drives me mad. Well, I've also got to do also got to do the conversion from tons to tons. I mean, well, it's it's yeah, well, exactly. It's short tons to tonnies, and then you know, there's two thousand pounds in a short ton. So yeah, yeah, but we do report in metric as well for obviously you know North American Canadians and uh, our, our European uh, uh, brothers. Very good. Uh, the, the 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 resource that you've got. Um, that's going to give you the um, the the pounds that you require for the kind of the, the global pounds for the full feasibility study, which is going to come at the end of next year. But in the interim, you've got the pre-feasibility study, which is imminent. It's, it's yeah. due in the next few months. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, what I like about the specifically the 4.4 billion pounds of leachable material in the indicated category at a 0.62 total soluble copper grade. What I like about that is that when we go to mine that, typically you'll have a 10% a loss. So, you know, that would take that resource down to, you know, four, four billion pounds, let's say. And then, you know, there's never a 100% conversion of re resources to reserves. It's usually in and around 70 to 80%. So if we work on an 80% conversion of that four billion pounds now, we're going to be down to around about 3.2 billion pounds of copper that ultimately we can mine and put onto a leach pad. And then if you work back from that, you're never going to get 100% metallurgical recovery. Right now, we're probably going to be in the mid 80% range overall for our metallurgical recovery. So if we work with 80%, it takes that 3.2 billion pounds down to about 2.5, 2.6 billion pounds of recoverable copper cathode. Now, if you think about that, we've been targeting as part of the pre-feasibility study 
a mine life in excess of 25 years and a production profile of between initially 45 and 50,000 tonnes of cathode production a year. So if we keep the math simple, at 50,000 tonnes of cathode production a year on average, which is 100 million pounds of copper and a 25-year mine life, the total copper produced would be 2.5 billion pounds. Yeah, so, so that fits. It fits perfectly with the 4.4 billion pounds of copper in the leachable category that we've just declared in this resource update. And then on top of that, we can't include this obviously in the pre-feasibility study because we can only work with measured and indicated resources, but we're also sitting with 1.3 billion pounds of leachable copper at the same grade, in this case 0.61 total percent TESOL copper uh, in the inferred category. So over time, as we drill that out, that is going to move up into the measured and indicated category and ultimately will come into the mine plan. And that excludes any expiration success that we've already spoken about. So what you're going to see here when the PFS comes out, even though initially it's going to be a 25-year, let's say, mine life, as we know, as mines explore and you know they, they, they define inferred resources, that mine life is only going to grow. And I suspect there'll also be an opportunity between PFS and Bankable to bring forward some of the later production and actually see the uh, the production profile I expand. Well, well, on that, I was going to comment that kind of a, P a PFS is typically the time when you run a whole series of trade-off studies. You know, you this this is the uh, to, the, the the classic phrase is the the um, the PEA is what it might be, and the pre-feasibility study is what it should be. Yeah. Um, and the feasibility study is kind of what it will be. Um, but if you're looking at kind of what it should be, have you looked at, for example, halving the mine life and doubling the production? Have you looked at, instead of doing 45 to 50, but looking at 90 to 100,000 tonne per annum options and saying, you know, we can, we'll get beyond the 12, 13 years if we, we you, know, you might be able to ramp it up and um, and then with the expiration, you can take it beyond 12 years. You know, what's the... What was the kind of the, the gating point between choosing 50,000 or 45 to 50 instead of 90 to 100, 95 to 100? Yeah, Merlin, it's a great question and you're quite right. We've we've ran over 50 iterations of the various uh, mine plans and we hit upon this one because it gave us still a very robust NPV and an IRR after tax. But importantly, it's going to limit the amount of upfront capital to something hopefully sub 400 million US dollars. Yeah. And that was an important number for us because as a small company, you know, today our market cap is about 170 million Canadian dollars or let's call it 130, 140 million US dollars. We were very cognizant of, you know, the upfront capital requirement uh, for the project because if it gets too large, essentially you're telling the market that you need a partner, somebody to JV with, or you're looking to sell the project. And that is not our goal at this juncture in time. We'd like to control our own destiny, have a robust project that generates really good returns for the shareholders of the company, but keep the upfront capital number something that's manageable, that we as a standalone company can go out 
and actually realistically raise the money ourselves and build it ourselves and put it into production if so desired. Does that mean, therefore, that you the permitting that you're applying for has got to become an option to double, and your your the the footprint of your process plant has got kind of got got the gaps in the layout so that you can put in a second line or Correct. equivalent. Yeah, you've you've got it. So the cactus project, as per the PEA today, and that would include the surface stockpile, cactus west, open pit, and cactus east. That part of the project is actually permitted. We received the final permits for that. Uh, which were the Mindland Reclamation and the Industrial Air Permits in, I think it was April and May of this year. What is not currently permitted is Park Salia. So with the completion of the pre-feasibility study, we go back, we reapply for an amendment to the existing permits. And usually an amendment to a permit is much easier to obtain than the original permit. But you've raised a great point, and you're quite right, and that when we go back for that amendment to the permit, we will make everything larger than what we actually see within the pre-feasibility study. And when we're laying uh, the, 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 the plant out and the design of you know, the leaching pads and where the infrastructure is actually going to go, we're cognizant of ensuring that everything is expandable so that you know if we put this into production... We've paid off the debt. We're generating real free cash flow from operations. If we want to look at organic growth funded through our own free cash flow, we've got that ability and we've got the space to do it. Oh, sorry. I was listening to the answer too carefully. I wasn't thinking about the next question. (laughs) (laughs) You should be more boring in your answers. (laughs) um, um, Just in terms of the configuration, of you know the scheduling of wh- wh- where you start and um, you know what the maximum NPV is. I, I can't remember where, where I where I got it from, but it, it seemed to me that the kind of the, the best looking stuff was going to be coming out of Park Salyer, and that maybe you'd want to bring that to be the kind of the front end of your operation. Um, or is it dictated by the existing infrastructure that you've got, so that there are other scheduling factors other than just the kind of the highest grade ore. Well, you're quite right, and we haven't maximized the project based on NPV and IRR because if we were doing that, then the capital number would balloon to a number that we ourselves you know, just couldn't raise that type of money. And we've also looked at iterations where we mine Park Salier up front, and it gives us a very robust return. But... Going through those iterations, what we've decided to do is concentrate in the mine's first five years, really on the surface stockpile and the open pit with a layback, and then go into Cactus East, which is immediately adjacent to the Cactus West open pit. And we would go in with from a decline from the bottom of the existing open pit. And that saves us in capital development expenses, and obviously it saves us on, uh, on the timeline. And Cactus East is quite robust in that in this resource we put out, it's 41 million tonnes of mineralised material, but it grades around 1.08 total soluble copper, which okay. is actually quite a good okay. grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the thinking there was that from a risk execution perspective, mining a surface stockpile, mining in an open pit, 
and then mining a, a deposit immediately adjacent to the open pit is, lot, is a lot less riskier, let's say, than going after uh, immediately park sailier. So, you know, we get into production, we start generating uh, real free cash flow, we pay off our debt, the market gets really comfortable that we're producing a quality uh, LME-grade copper cathode, and over that first five years, we then start turning our attention to Park Salier, and that would come online, I think, right now, in and around year seven and eight of the uh, of the existing uh, production plan that's in the draft PFS. Um, one of the things that I see time and again, and um, when I speak to my buddies who um, often get the kind of the EPCM contracts to build uh, and commission projects, one of the things that they say that comes back to bike companies is um, change of scope along the way, in particular with reference to uh, metallurgical test work and representativity when you've got a whole variety of different ores. I mean, you've got you've got oxide, you've got transition, you've got enriched, you've got primary, and we haven't even spoken about the, the work that uh, the Rio Tinto is doing with Newton, but um, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, just in terms of your understanding of all the different kind of ore types and where they sit in different deposits, I'm not saying that you should have the finished answers now because it's only the pre-feasibility stage, but are you, on, are you, are you kind of working through that process? Oh, absolutely. The metallurgical uh, test work that we've been conducting on this project uh, for this pre-feasibility study is is already well over two years uh, in testing. Uh, remember, we were targeting a pre-feasibility study last year on cactus, and yeah. we announced to the market that we were going to defer that and pivot in the summer of 2022 to give ourselves the time to drill out Parksalia, which looking back with hindsight was definitely the right decision. So, you know, though, though the test work for Cactus has been ongoing since, you know, late 2021. So we're very uh, confident that the metallurgical results that we've been putting out to the market, both for the oxide, the transitionary material, the enriched, and, and of course you touched on uh, the Newton work, which we can, you know, discuss uh, a little bit later. We're very, very confident that um, you know we're going to be able to see ninety percent recoveries of the oxide, which leaches very well uh, within a sixty to ninety day period, and for the enriched material, transitionary material, we're going to see recoveries between the mid seventies up to you know the low eighty percent sort of range, and that takes a little bit longer, somewhere between two hundred to two hundred and twenty days. Before we start getting up to you know full uh, full extraction of the uh, of the copper, the the test work you've done on the specific samples, have you linked that back to a kind of a, um, a, a kind of a, a geometrical model? Um, yes, so yes, yes, yes. We have ab ab absolutely, and we've obviously paid a lot of attention as well to the surface stockpile, uh, the open pit, and 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 cactus east, which you know really forms the bulk let's see, of the first 10 years of, of, of the mine plan. Good. Well, we're going to run out of time. If we, so let's talk about um, uh, Newton and, yeah. and what's going on there. Because it's not just um, it's not just Arizona Sonoran. It's not just the Cactus Project. They're, they're pulling in samples from Peru, from um, Argentina. Um, Argentina, around the world. Um, you know, how, how does that process run and how much, of you, how much is dedicated to, to your work? Well... Importantly, you know, um, uh, everything that we've talked about concerning the pre-feasibility study 
is only referencing the leachable material which we ourselves can can actually leach. There's nothing in those numbers which is dependent upon mutant. So we announced in June of this year that the phase one uh, column tests had been running between 75 to 150 days. Depending on which column you were looking at, we were at 61, I think, up to 81% metallurgical recovery. Uh, those columns have continued over the last uh, three to four months. And the we Newton columns you're talking about? The, the Newton columns, yeah. yeah. And we would anticipate that by the end of the year, when the columns are over 300 days of leaching time, we will pull those columns down, get the final tails assay, and then announce to the market you know, what the final uh, recoveries uh, were. Based on the you know quarterly information that we, we get from Newton, obviously the recoveries have continued to improve in those columns. So at the end of the day, I think that is going to be good news when it goes out to the market. We're in discussions with Newton right now about a phase two metallurgical test program for for the, the columns. The reason being is, is that the current columns are not rigorous enough uh, to actually be included in a pre-feasibility study. So there's going to have to be another phase two of testing in 2024 that would ultimately allow that metallurgical uh, recoveries uh, test work to be incorporated into a later, what we call an integrated pre-feasibility study that doesn't just have our own base case, but then would involve you know the primary material and, and, and then the Newton column tests. And then other work that would have to be conducted in 2024 if we were going to pursue the Newton uh, opportunity as, as an option is that the bulk of the primary sulfide below the open pit, which is about 1.1 billion pounds of copper in primary sulfide, in this case chalcopyrite, it is only sitting today in the inferred category. So it's going to have to be drilled out to a measured and that certainly initially an indicated resource so that it eventually can come into a future integrated pre-feasibility study. So there's the test work at the moment uh, is looking very encouraging, but it's still very early days as to whether it actually can then be taken up into a, a commercial scale and there's still a lot more drilling and test work to be conducted. Um, when I rootle around in the Newton um, kind of marketing copy, it talks about it being a suite of technologies, um, including bioleach, because they talk about exothermic reactions and kind of suitable for, 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 for biology. So is it just a kind of a, a chemistry kit tinking with hydrometallurgy to, to oxidize and to, to uh, enable the leaching fluids to get into the sulfide grains? Yes, it, 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 exactly what the specific recipes are, because there are many dependent on the um, the type of uh, mineralogy that you know the where the copper is contained. Uh, we 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 don't actually know. It's all uh, patented, obviously, to to Newton. So at this juncture, we don't know. But we certainly see from the initial testing that uh, heat and, and particularly temperature are, are are very important to the process. And that's why, you know, I think if you look at, you know, some of the, the groups that they've tried to partner in JV with, if you look at where their uh, assets are located, they're generally in very hot, uh, arid uh, uh, climates, which 
is right. uh, is going to be important for the for the leaching process on the pad. Okay, good. Well, that's that's we can we can park that as the kind of into the upside um, potential basket, which will bring with it a whole suite of kind of technical decisions and kind of managerial issues. But um, looking at um, Arizona Snora now, market capitalization, as you said, one hundred seventy million dollars. Um, do you think you're I mean, this is a silly question to ask a CEO, but um, uh, are you fairly valued? Well, like you said, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm biased, but I I would say at this juncture in time, absolutely not. If if you look at the seven point four billion pounds of copper uh, that we have in the ground, uh, we're valued at under two cents a, a pound of copper in the ground. I think at the moment people are paying attention to the preliminary economic assessment that we put out in August of 2021. At that point in time, we were showing an 18-year mine life and uh, average annual production profile of 28,000 tonnes of cathode production a year or or 56 million pounds. And yeah. uh, I think that's really what uh, the company is being valued on at this juncture in time. I think, however, with the pre-feasibility study coming out early in the first quarter of next year, if we can double that production profile and add on, you know, another seven to ten years, let's say, to the mine life, and have something at twenty-five years plus, and you know, a hundred million pounds of average annual copper production without all this potential optionality, I think at that point in time, um, assuming the external markets, you know, uh, don't completely uh, crater, uh, I think there's a good opportunity. That we'll see a little bit of a re-rate in the company in the uh, the first half of 2024. Well, there we go. I mean, you you, you referenced the external markets. It's been a, it's been a very tough um, year in which to put out good news because there there historically hasn't been a um, or the, I mean, there hasn't been the response that you would hope. So you some people put out a pre-feasibility study and the share price either goes flat or down and yeah, it's like oh crikey, what what else do we have to do? In in a sense, that leads. Round to the, um, I mean, we're both probably in violent agreement that we're looking at long-term copper shortages um, in a few years' time. And so, in a sense, it comes to the quality of your shareholder base. You know, what's what's the feedback coming to to you from your institutions, and uh, I guess from Tembo in particular, who've um, yeah, yeah, got thirty-one yeah. percent. Well, it's been extremely positive. I mean, um, obviously, we did a financing in February of this year, and the company is uh, is well funded. Tembo participated in that financing. Um, I think in totality, they've invested about $40 million into the company. They have allowed themselves to be diluted down because they understand, you know, liquidity is important. Um, But, you know, I think on an ongoing basis, they're going to continue to be extremely supportive of the management and the business plan that we have and allow themselves to be further diluted down uh, over time. I mean, we get a lot of um, kudos on the company when we when we present. I think at this point in time, you know, people are just weary of sort of catching a falling knife, and uh, people are just you know interested to try and understand, you know, when is the economy going to sort of bottom out? When is the Fed going to s- stop, you know, raising interest rates? And uh, when are we going to start to see some green shoots in the economy? And when the market starts to get a sense that that is you know, literally around the corner, I think we'll see investors coming back in and hopefully Arizona Sonoran is top of their list as far as uh, 
near-term uh, copper producers is concerned? Well, um, good luck with finalising the uh, pre-feasibility study. I look forward to uh, reading that. And um, maybe your um, beleaguered retail shareholders can catch a, um, the, the, a, a lift on the news and, uh, and the turnaround in the sector. Certainly believe so, Merlin.